This episode is brought to you by Teamy Blends. Teamy Blends is a tea and wellness company with amazing detox loose leaf teas and other incredible products. You guys know I am super picky about the brands I work with, and I am seriously so impressed by Teamy Blends. Their ingredients are all hand-selected and ethically sourced with super high-quality stuff. Like they use kaffir lime that helps detoxify the blood, and they also have stuff like Yerba Mate that boosts energy and improves mental focus to valerian root that reduces anxiety and stress. I am all about high-quality and ethically sourced shit, you guys, and Teamy Blends does that the work. And it's Girl Boss founded too, which you know I'm all about. I personally have been loving their 30-day detox and have been feeling so much less bloated and super, super high energy because of it. So check it out. You can go to teamyblends.com. That's T-E-A-M-I blends um, and use the code L-Y-F-Y-L. That's short for live your fuck yes life for 15% off your purchase. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things health, wellness, self-care, and real talk. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, health coach, actor, and badass extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought with some serious real talk to help you find your passion, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, 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 you guys. Welcome to episode 37 of the Live Your Fuck Yes Life pod. I hope you are having a fan-fucking-tastic week. Um, Today's episode, holy shit, is the most, I think, poignant episode I maybe have ever recorded for this podcast. And if you have ever struggled with any form of mental health struggles, um, whether it's anxiety, uh, depression, just feeling like you don't have control over the way that your body and mind operate sometimes, um, anything like that, um, this is going to resonate in ways I cannot even begin to share. And I'm really, really thrilled to be able to share this conversation with you guys. Um, And I know for me, it really, really impacted my perspective on anxiety and just everything all all in all um, in ways that I didn't even imagine. So I'm really excited to share that. But before we do, I wanted to shout out this week's review of the week, and it goes out to She's In Sync on Instagram. And she shared all about last week's episode, episode 36 with Erin Smandick, um, all about effortless eating, holistic nutrition, and breaking free from restriction. And she says, wow, 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 seriously relating to this Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast episode with Erin, so much food and body positivity. So if you didn't get a chance to uh, listen to last week's episode, it was seriously incredible. And we had a really, really interesting discussion about nutrition and all that jazz. Um, But thank you. She's in sync for listening and thank you for sharing the podcast episode with your followers. It literally means the world to me when you guys are sharing with the people in your life, whether that's on Instagram or writing a review, it helps the podcast grow so much and it means the absolute world to me to have you in our corner. If you are not already in our Facebook community, hop on in um, and join we're at Live Your Fuck Yes Life over there, um, but you can also find us in the show notes, and um, we have lots of fun stuff going on in there as well. So cannot wait to see you on the flip side and in there. Um, but 
to today's episode. I have Rachel Wright back on the podcast, which if you did not listen to her first episode on the podcast um, that she actually did with her husband, Kyle, um, it's episode nine. So you can check that out in the show notes to get to know them a little bit better because we don't really dive into uh, you know what she does and stuff. But um, I had her back on the podcast, A, because she is the person that I go to um, in my own life for um, discussions about mental health, relationships, sex, all of that stuff, but also because um, she is just one of the most vulnerable uh, women I've ever known when it comes to talking about anxiety. And she has the mental health background. She is a therapist and she understands the science of it, but also lives it herself. And that in and of itself is so freaking powerful. And we talk a lot about all of the things revolving anxiety and specifically about what anxiety is not and how to actually know if we're experiencing anxiety versus stress. Um, we dive into that a lot this week, and I just feel like it is so topical. Um, yesterday, if you're listening to this in real time, you know yesterday was World Mental Health Day. And the irony of that all is that as I am recording this, I am going through some anxious parts of my morning. It is early morning. I woke up with a heavy heart and for no reason, or at least no uh, prescribed reason. Um, And I want you to know that it is okay if you navigate days like this and that it is part of being a human being and that having stressful days, but also if anxiety is a part of your life, having anxious days that you just cannot seem to really understand how to get over the other side with, um, it's so normal and you are so not alone and we don't talk about it enough. And that is why I'm so excited and just so, so ready to share this with you guys because we need to know these things, right? We need to talk about these things more. And both Rachel and I go into some pretty vulnerable stories about our personal experiences with anxiety, but also talk about how to navigate and thrive with anxiety um, along with a myriad of other things. So without further ado, here is today's episode. Hey, Rachel. Welcome back to the podcast, my love. (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. I've missed you, like, not just in life, but in the context of podcasting. Yeah, because sneak peek, we've actually been talking for like two hours because that's what happens when we talk. Oh my gosh. I just adore you so much. We need to block off whole days when we connect because that way, you know. Real life. Um, if you guys not have not already listened to Rachel's podcast um, episode, it's episode nine. She's on there with her hubby, um, Kyle, and it's an amazing conversation. We talk a lot about communication and relationships, um, but I don't really want to get into who you are because they can go listen to that episode and learn more about you there. Really what I want to dive into today is a topic that's been really on my heart as of late and something I know, I know a lot of you guys struggle with. I'm laughing because Toby just came into the room and Rachel's heart just died a little bit. Like you should have seen her face when she saw him come in. You guys, the visual right now, Toby walked in and then sat down like an old man who's like, what's going on in this room? Can I uh, be a part of this? <laughs> yeah. That's Toby's Sorry. voice, P.S. Um, but yeah, I just, I really, really feel like anxiety is something that 
just isn't talked about. And I know it's something you are hella passionate about. And I know your background and your work with your clients, with your therapist, like therapist life, and now moving into this side of your business, like it has been a big part of what you do, but also a big part of your own personal story. And I know that a lot of you guys listening have asked for specifically Rachel to come on and talk about this because anxiety is something you also struggle with. And I just want you to know you are not alone and that there are lots of different types of anxiety and ways that it can show up in each of us. And Rachel and I have our own experiences with that. Um, But we're going to really just be vulnerable as fuck with you today and Rachel's going to talk to you about how you can start to cope with those those things and and the stuff in your life that you just feel like you can't get out of bed sometimes. So um yeah, I would just love to hear to start like a what your personal experience with anxiety has been um because I know it's definitely been a big part of your life. <laughs> yes, it has. And for better and worse, right? Like anxiety is one of those things that I think can be our absolute worst nightmare. And at the same time can be one of the biggest gifts that Mm. we're given. Um, And like many things, it has those two sides. And sometimes it is an absolutely beautiful indicator that something is out of alignment and something's not right. And other times it is paralyzing to the point of missing out on things that you truly deeply want to do. And it's awful. It is absolutely awful. Um, so just to rewind just a little bit about me on a personal side, you know, part of the reason why I stepped out of this super traditional therapist role is because therapists are not really allowed to talk about their own stuff. Mm. And it's a beautiful thing when it comes to certain things, you know, if you're going in to talk about grief or many other topics, the last thing you want to hear is your therapist go, Oh my God, me too. (laughs) It's not the appropriate space. It's not about them. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think that something that is missing in that way is the fact that your therapist is a human being. And sometimes it can be really helpful to hear that someone who is even trained in navigating these things can also struggle with it yeah. and can also have ups and downs. So I just want to preface it with that because I'm, I'm so passionate about being vulnerable in this area and opening up. And I think that that is the invitation that we can give to other people, whether we're in a position of being a quote unquote professional in mental health or not, Mm -hmm. when we open up, it opens the door for our friends, for our family, for random people who you don't even know on Instagram Mm -hmm. to come talk to you about their anxiety. So my door is always open. If something that um, I say, or Amanda says resonates, you know, please reach out. Um, You're not alone. Like you so beautifully stated, Amanda, it's I think that that's one of the biggest things with anxiety is that we can really start to feel alone in our thoughts and really start thinking that we're going fucking crazy. Yeah. It's like, why won't my brain just stop? Um, so yeah. And there's a lot of misconceptions too, right? Like what is actual anxiety versus what is fear and what is a normal amount of hesitation or overthinking versus maybe somebody who's too impulsive Mm -hmm. and doesn't have any sort of filtration system. It's like, it's such a spectrum of things. 
Um, so really figuring out like identifying that there is a quote unquote normal in the term of what is technically clinical anxiety, but it really what it comes down to is, is this impairing your life in a way that you don't like? And that's it. Like if the answer is yes, then it's time to do something about it. Yeah. If the answer is no, then okay, cool. Keep managing it. Like keep doing whatever you're doing to keep it at that no. But I, one of the biggest things that I hear from people is like, well, I had anxiety, but it wasn't bad enough to go see someone or it wasn't bad enough to go do something about it. Mm -hmm. And I just, I really, it makes my heart hurt when I hear that. Because if there's any level of anxiety, it doesn't matter what a textbook says. If it's impairing your life and hurting you, it's enough. Yeah. Um, so my personal, I totally got off topic. I'm sorry. No, no, but it's so good. And we're going to come back to all of this. But I just think that's a really important differentiation because I, it's so funny. We're always, maybe it's just the like overachiever or the feeling to like always fit into a box that we yeah. all in society strive for. But I feel like at least with my personal experience with anxiety, I've been like, well, I'm not having like intense panic attacks like she is. Mm -hmm. So that does like, I must not be needing to really deal with this. Like it's something I can just navigate on my own. Right. Right. And so it's you don't think it's worth comparison. Yeah. Yeah. It's a constant comparison. And let me tell you, as someone who has experienced everything from no anxiety to literally having a panic attack on my wedding day, mm -hmm. um, I've been through it all <laughs> and mm -hmm. I've seen clients through it all too. And there's no level of anxiety that is quote unquote, okay. If it is uncomfortable for you. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what Susie down the street is experiencing, you know, it, it's, it's so important to just look at yourself and ask, like, is this how I want to be? Could this be better? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, take a step. And even by listening to this episode, like this is a step, yeah. right? Like, and I want to honor that because sometimes when we're dealing with something like anxiety, it can keep us away from even listening to the tools that could help us. And that includes a podcast episode about anxiety. Mm -hmm. Totally. Okay. So you mentioned having a panic attack on your wedding day. Yes. Can you share that story? Absolutely. Um, I've actually never shared this story fully publicly. Mm -hmm. um, so this is like the first exclusive on this uh <laughs> This, I would say, was the peak of the worst anxiety I ever had in my life. Um, I was not an anxious child at all. I was the child who would walk up to people who wanted to perform on all the stages. I did not give a shit about how I came off um, mm -hmm. anything. And as I got older and older and older, my anxiety got worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, and I know now that a lot of that was trying to live within the shoulds of our culture and society and really having my internal desires not match up with those shoulds. And so it was a constant day in, day out of, well, I should be doing this. I should like that. And this was the narrative playing in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, so it all came to a crux on my wedding day. Um, I followed all the shoulds. 
I should have X amount of bridesmaids. Mm. I should have this person in my bridal party because I've known them for this amount of time. And so that's what I was taught needed to happen. And oh my gosh, if I don't include her, then she's going to think this way. So I had a room full of people from my whole entire life standing around me and then a room full of people waiting for me to walk down this aisle that had all been a part of my life at different moments and times. Mm -hmm. And all I felt was pressure to be a million different versions of myself at one time. Because none of these people, well, okay, not none, very few of these people knew just me. Mm. And the me who you're hearing now is that me. It's just me. But then it was more of, this is Rachel when she's around her family friends. This Mm -hmm. is Rachel when she's around her college friends. There was like a slightly different take on myself, depending on who I was around. And so all of a sudden there was this horrifying pressure to be all of those things at one time, which is actually impossible. Literally. Literally impossible. (laughs) Um, And the worst part was everyone around me thought that I was having anxiety about marrying Kyle. Mm. And so it all came out as, wow, you look really stressed. Like, are you sure you're ready to get married? And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> That's not what this is about yeah. at all. Um, so it, it led to an actual panic attack. Um, I was sitting, we got married. We, we both grew up Jewish. We're not religious at all. Um, but we wanted to have our wedding in a synagogue because again, the shoulds. Um, so we're in this giant synagogue in San Francisco. I'm in the back room and I'm sitting in my dress. My hair is done. Mind you, I had not eaten all day. I could not, could not eat. Um, like I, I would have thrown up Mm. and sitting there and I'm looking around at all the people in this room. And this, to use the word should, (laughs) this should have been one of the most exciting moments in my life, right? In theory, you're surrounded by your best friends. You have your mom there, your, you know, new mother-in-law, all of these people. You're about to marry the love of your life. And yet all I felt was this pressure to be someone that I wasn't. Yeah. So I start sweating I immediately know that my nervous system is freaking the fuck out and I try to breathe. I try to just use coping strategies. And before I know it, my body is shaking to the point of like, I mean, it looked like I was having like convulsion, like my legs were twitching, my arms start twitching um, and my stomach starts cramping and twisting. And it feels like everything inside of me is being wrung out. Mm. And I scream out, I need a trash can. And there I am in my wedding dress, throwing up into a trash can in front of basically every woman I know. (laughs) Yeah. And the makeup lady is there with me and she's like, it's okay. I'm going to powder your nose. And in my head, I'm like, I don't, 
care about my fucking nose. Like I'm having a panic attack on my wedding day. This is so then the shoulds of that start coming Mm. on top of it. Like this should be a happy day. Why are you freaking out? It was one of the absolute worst moments of my life. Mm. Um, And the only thing that got me through it was knowing that at the end of this day, that I was once and for all going to let go of all of these shoulds. Mm. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. It's, it's so resonating for me too. the whole shooting all over yourself. I love that saying because I feel like that's what we do. Right. And why, at least for me, and I, I want to get into kind of how anxiety tends to pop up for people, but I know from my personal experiences, like there was a very distinctive moment in my life where I went from, I have not ever experienced anxiety to, I am now well-versed in what anxiety is. And it was an event in my life that changed the course for me. Um, and I had literally never experienced anxiety before. Um, and I had a panic attack that day and I did not know what, what what it was. And I thought I was dying. Yeah. You know, it feels like you're having a heart attack. Like it's, (laughs) if I had not had a panic attack prior to this day, I probably would have asked someone to call an ambulance. Yeah. Because your whole whole body goes into a state of complete fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, you're paralyzed. Mm -hmm. So it is, yeah, it is one of the most horrific feelings. And it's something that actually gets really under my skin when I hear people joke about like, oh, I had a total panic attack because I had four Mm -hmm. hours of homework last night. And I think it's really important to recognize that a panic attack is something like it's very intense yeah. and it's, it's not something if you're around people who have experienced one, it really minimizes it to use it in that way. For sure. Uh, so yeah, total side note, but no, but an important one nonetheless. So, okay. Obviously panic attacks, or at least my personal understanding of anxiety is that panic attacks are kind of the crux, like almost the peak of, and the climax of how anxiety can, can show up in our lives. Can yeah. you talk about like what it can start as, or even like the littlest parts of it that can pop into our day-to-day life and how that can look? Absolutely. So I kind of like to talk about it to make it as easy as possible with kind of associating small little phrases with anxiety. So for example, there's generalized anxiety Mm -hmm. and that kind of manifests itself into what if. Hmm. So it's like, what if this happens and what if I go here and then that happens? Or what if when Kyle's out, a bus comes around the corner and hits him and then I'm left at home alone. And then what if I can't pay the bills, right? It's like this total spiral of what if, what if, what if, Mm. what if. Um, It can also come up in terms of like with OCD, which is also a form of anxiety, it comes up more as like, did I? So like, did I wash my hands? Did I lock Mm. the door? Did I turn off the oven? Um, And if they hybridize, right? It's like, did I lock the door? (gasps) What if someone comes in and steals my stuff? So then it comes together and it's, you can see even with that, how it starts to tornado Mm. together. Mm -hmm. 
So how it really starts is just those thoughts like that. So it's really thinking in a way that is not necessarily 100% based in reality. Mm-hmm. It could have some nugget of truth, right? Like it, of course it's possible for us to leave the house and get hit by a bus. Absolutely. That is 100% a possibility mm-hmm. in the scheme of life. Yeah. <laughs> Does it happen? Is it probable? No, it's not. So really anytime that something comes up and there's a thought where you're thinking to yourself, wow, I really think about this a lot mm-hmm. or, huh, this comes up, but it, it's not very probable, but I'm having trouble letting it go. Those are sometimes the cognitive ways that it presents. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why it's so sneaky is that sometimes it doesn't come up cognitively first Mm. and it's happening cognitively, but it's so subconscious that we actually feel the physiological signs first. Mm. And that's the sweaty palms, Mm -hmm. the heart racing, the tight jaw, the grinding of the teeth, um, really tense shoulders, right? That feeling of, I think we've all been at that party in middle school or high school where you're like, does anyone like me? Do I have spinach in my teeth? (laughs) Like that overwhelming feeling of like all the eyes are on you yet really no one's looking. Mm -hmm. That's another way it can present. Super interesting. Uh, Yeah. And it starts to really limit what you do and the decisions that you're making in your life. Mm. So Okay. So I'm, I'm thinking, cause obviously these are all different ways. I feel like from my experience with anxiety, if I think back to the moments in my life where I have felt the most anxious, it has often revolved around waiting for something I'm dreading mm-hmm. and, or feeling like, um, something happened that really stressed me out around a specific area in my life. For example, um, I coming out of college, um, when I was in school, I was supported by my family because I physically could not work in the United States. Like I being a Canadian, I was on a specific visa that did not allow me to get a job. That's insane, insane, by the way, but that's just what it was. Um, and so when I left school and my visa changed, I was working for myself and for the first time. And I specifically told my parents, like, I do not want help. This is me. I am doing this on my own. Like I was very proud about that. Um, and, but I had been living this lifestyle, right. Where I had an income that was different than what I was then bringing in when I was struggling to, you know, coming out of college. And I felt like I had to keep that up. And also along the same line was really struggling with my food and all of my eating disorder history and felt like I needed to be buying these really fancy ingredients and really healthy, um, like super weird things like pink Himalayan salt and these like super special vegan cookies if I wanted a treat at all, you know. And so so, right there, even in your language, I'm going to pause you for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pause me. Both of those things you said, I felt like I had to. 
Yeah. Oh, true. Right. So that's that. It's not a conscious thought. Mm. It's not a conscious, like I'm going to choose to do this because blank. Mm -hmm. It's, I felt like I had to. So therefore, if I'm not, there's a dissonance there. And that's what creates the anxiety. The thing that was interesting was, is I ended up doing that and going into crazy credit card debt to Mm. perpetuate this, you know, thing that I thought I needed to do. And in turn developed a deep, very bad, very, very debilitating anxiety around money. Like to the point where talking about a budget, I mean, you talk to Kev, but I mean, I'm very, very in a good place about it now after a lot of work, but there were times like even walking into a grocery store, I would, I would not be able to function it was a very, very interesting time for me and talking about money, thinking about money, dealing with money, having anything to do with money, I would just break down into this like high anxiety state and it would take over my body for the entire day. Yeah. So for anyone who maybe can relate to that, like where does that fall? In what way specifically? Like within the anxiety spectrum, like, because I've heard a lot about generalized anxiety disorder. I have a lot of friends who navigate that. I have friends who are on medication for it and ones who are, who try to the natural approach in terms of navigating that. But, you know, it's like, you're constantly like, well, does this make sense? Like, is this something other people experience? And it seems like it was around such a specific topic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and the interesting thing about what you're describing is that it may have manifested around money, but that shit started back when you were forcing yourself to buy pink salt. Yeah, true. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's that, that whole time that you were like, oh, I need to spend $12.95 on this tiny little thing of salt. Like that's (laughs) that's when it started programming in. No, yeah, totally. And it's so had to, as it goes back to what you said at the beginning. Exactly. So then you had to do it that way, but then you also had to have a healthy financial life Mm -hmm. and those two things couldn't add up Mm -hmm. and that's the dissonance. So whenever there's anxiety, there's some sort of dissonance. Some people may use the term out of alignment. Um, The scientific definition is cognitive dissonance. That's what the like textbook definition is. Of anxiety? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Well, one of the facets of it. Okay. Um, But when people say like I was acting out of alignment with myself, Mm. that in itself is describing cognitive dissonance. So your your behavior and your beliefs are not lining up Mm -hmm. and something is off. Mm -hmm. And the longer that goes on, the more that I call them freeways, but they're, they're neuro pathways, right? Mm-hmm. So they're imagine like LA freeways in your brain, right? In LA, there's like a million different freeways. If somebody listening hasn't been to LA, there's the five, the 10, the two, the four or five, like there's just so many freeways. Mm-hmm. And the more we drive on those freeways, the more cemented they get into our brain. And so to use the salt as the example, every time you had that thought of, well, I have to do this this way. That was cementing in that freeway. Mm-hmm. So then bring in the money piece and it's like, okay, now I have to spend less money because I'm in all of this debt. And that in itself 
can actually cause so much dissonance that then you can't even go into the grocery store. Yeah. And that's a perfect example of something that we all need to be able to do that you weren't able to do. Mm -hmm. Therefore, at that point, the anxiety needed to be treated. Yeah. And I did not. Like I, I, I did not, I did not take action on it. I just thought, okay. I mean, I did things like I worked out, which for me has, is huge. Like moving my body is so huge when it comes to just nipping, especially now because it's, I've gotten, I mean, I'm in such a better place with it, but you know, if I wake up feeling anxious and I work out, like it's pretty much gone for the day usually, unless it's about like something intense happening in our world, which right now it turns out there's a lot of that, especially yeah. in the United States. <laughs> yes. So that's been fun. <laughs> yes. Well, and that kind of, you know, that in itself brings up this whole other issue with anxiety is that, you know, for a long time, it's been very, um, it's been more black and white to separate anxiety and fear. Mm. Right. So fear is responding to something that is actually going on in front of you. So the example I like to give is you're on a hike and you see a bear in the woods. You have fear Mm -hmm. You run the fuck away from the bear or Mm -hmm. you freeze up. Anxiety is not going on the hike because there might be a bear. So it's, it's stopping you from doing something in our current state in our country, there is so much happening that's actually real Yeah, that it's creating high levels of stress. Mm-hmm. And then the word stress and anxiety start to get intermingled yeah. and like, it's hard to kind of tear them apart. So it's important to remember that like fear, stress, and anxiety are all different, even though they can present quite similarly. I think that's a really important differentiation and one that honestly, I don't think I've heard at all. I don't think I've ever heard someone say that before. Really? Yeah, I really don't. I mean, or at least in a way that has made it click for me so simply, right? I mean, you just put it in such a very specific way, but I think, I think there are probably days. I, in fact, I know that there are days when I'm stressed about something and I say, oh my gosh, I'm so anxious right now, Yeah. but it's not that. And so right. that's really interesting. And it's, it changes how we approach it, Yeah. right? Like if, if we're stressed about something, we're going to approach that something very differently than if we're feeling anxious about something or if we're fearful about something. Mm. Like there's a reason why it's called stage fright and not stage anxiety. Yeah, totally. Okay. Okay. You're, I feel like my mind just got very blown. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you all are having like giant firework blast, like crazy blast in your brain. Like I am, cause I, I really do feel like that is a differentiation that I, I don't think has been really ta- like really discussed or at least in my world. And I have a lot of people in this world. So that's, I just yeah. think it's really important. Well, and that's also why they're called panic attacks and not anxiety attacks. Mm. So that's another thing that gets tossed around in our culture a lot is like, Oh, I had an anxiety attack. That's actually not a real thing. Yeah. Um, there's, there's nothing in the DSM, which is the diagnostic statistical manual, which therapists and psychiatrists use to diagnose. Mm. There's nothing in there called an anxiety attack. It's, it's a panic attack. Yeah. And a panic attack can be caused by stress. It can be caused by anxiety. Mm. It can be caused by fear. 
So to just label it as an anxiety attack actually really takes away a lot of the legitimacy of someone who is very stressed and has a panic attack because it is no less real for either person. Yeah, that is so. Okay. So, so someone who actually has anxiety, who is dealing with these, what if thoughts or, you know, any of the things we discussed that says, okay, this is what anxiety is. Um, like how would they, a, well, obviously they can now by listening to this and hearing that they would acknowledge that they probably have anxiety or a form, a level of anxiety. Like what would you recommend are some of the things they can do today that would help them, you know, even like just a few things that they could navigate on their own potentially just today as like something to really start their journey to thriving with anxiety is what I want to say. Thriving with anxiety. I love that. And I love that because, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, like it it can be a blessing and a curse, Mm -hmm. right? And I'll, I'll give the tips. I'm going to share one personal thing first, if that's okay. Yeah, no, no, of course. Okay. So I now use my anxiety as a check engine light for my life. Mm. So when I feel anxiety, when I get, for me, it shows up as like, not a stomach ache, but it's a, it's a very specific feeling I get in my stomach region. And I also notice that I start, my palms start getting sweaty at random times, like nothing's going on, but yet my physical reaction is like, something's about to happen. Mm -hmm. That's bad. Mm -hmm. And whenever that comes up for me, something is out of alignment in my life. So something is off. And that's where I like to start people before they're like, oh my God, I must need five years of therapy. So let me go online and find a therapist. No, no, no. Just take an inventory of your life. Mm -hmm. Where are you showing up for yourself and what areas are being neglected? So for me, if I start getting anxious or depressed, there is usually some level of self-care that is not happening. I am on empty and I'm giving from an empty tank. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I look back through the last two weeks. What, What did I do to fill up my personal gas tank? And literally, Amanda, nine times out of 10, it's like nothing. Yeah. So all that needs to then flip at that point is, okay, well, let me get back into the stuff that fills up my tank. And for all of us, that's different, right? Like for me, it's like belting show tunes out in the living room and like dancing around for other people. That's like actual hell on earth. So you, you got to figure out what that is for you. Um, Meditation is great. Um, Yoga Nidra meditations are my favorite. Yoga Nidra? Uh, Yeah. It's yoga and then N-I-D-R-A. Hmm. Um, and it's a very specific type of guided meditation. I do one almost every night before I go to sleep. Love that. Yeah. They're phenomenal. Um, that's fantastic. Journaling about how you're feeling is fantastic. Um, what you said about getting your body moving is so critical. Hmm. And even if it's just going out for a walk, yeah, like outside, 
yes, just get outside, have breathe in some fresh air. And a lot of times just doing that, it's like, oh, I feel better. Changing the environment can be everything. Absolutely. The key there is, is to not have that instant fix and then stop there. Mm. So use that feeling of like, oh, I feel better. Okay. Use that as an opportunity to figure out what the fuck happened to get you to the other place. Because so often we'll start feeling better, right? We, we see this with medication a lot. It's like, oh, I feel so much better. I'm going to stop taking my medication. Mm-hmm. No, no, mm-hmm. you feel better because you're taking it. Like you don't meditate for three weeks and then you feel better. So then you stop meditating. Well, it's that quick fix mentality. I mean, you see this all the time with my, my clients that I work with on a health and fitness standpoint, right? They're like, okay, I am going to invest for 21 days. I'm going to go all in for these three weeks and I'm going to kick butt and I'm going to get my workouts in and I'm going to really be good to my nutrition and get enough sleep and drink all the water. And then I'm going to be done. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like this is setting you up for success. And within that process, I just want to shout out something you said is thinking of it as, okay, this helped me now, now that I'm at this better headspace and I've, you know, I'm in a better place, I can actually go back and think about what I was navigating or what I was not doing and think about how and why I got to this place so that I can avoid that in the future, right? Like so often I feel like we just get that immediate, right, gratification and then we go back to what we were doing before. But if we learn from what is working and if we genuinely want to feel good and vibrant and energized and positive and happy and whatever, then why wouldn't we take the added five minutes and go back and think, okay, like, it's like what I say with my clients. It's like, okay, what did you eat yesterday? If you're feeling shitty and groggy today and like really lethargic. Okay. Well, maybe that is a, is something that you might want to try not eating tomorrow and see if you add more greens, how you'll feel the next day and see if you make sure you're getting all your water and how you feel the next day. It's literally just a science experiment, right? We are constantly walking experiments of ourselves. Absolutely. And if we can view ourselves that way and come towards ourselves with this attitude of curiosity, rather than this attitude of judgment, Mm. that changes everything, Mm. right? Like the, the day of my wedding, all I was doing was sitting there judging myself. I should be enjoying this. I love the man I'm marrying. I should be happy. I should be stoked that all of these people in my life are in this room right now. Everyone says that this is the best day of their lives. I shouldn't be feeling that way too. All of that was judgment. Yeah. If I had for five seconds gotten out of my own way and said, let me just get curious for a second and ask myself why I feel this way on such a special day, that might've changed everything. Yeah but we're such assholes to ourselves. You know, I tell this to my clients all the time. Like if we talked to our friends, the Mm -hmm. way that we talk and treat ourselves, we would have no friends. Totally. None. Totally. It's crazy. I know our inner shit tucker. That's what I like to call it. Oh yeah. And I, I make my clients name him or her. Oh, dude, I do the same. (laughs) Yes. Like, we, we get to, yeah, we talk to that, that inner demon a lot. And a lot of us have different ones, you know, for different things. Mm. Um, 
but really it's just, it's taking, like you said, it's not even a long process. It can be five minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's why, so I try to really view it as this check engine light. It's like something's not functioning at optimal conditions. It doesn't mean the car is going to break down. Yeah. Right. You can probably drive your car with your check engine light on for quite some time. I've done it myself, (laughs) but it doesn't mean that things are running at optimal performance. Yeah, no, I love that. And it's such an easy visual that I think can really help us. Okay, is the car ready to go? Or is the car struggle busing right now? (laughs) Right. And if it's struggle busing, like treat yourself the way you would treat your best friend. If she came to you and said, hey, I'm on the fucking struggle bus today. I can't get out of bed and I feel like ass. Mm-hmm. you're not going to turn around and say, well, just get the fuck out of bed, dude. Like what's wrong with you? Right. Yet that's probably something along the ways of which we talk to ourselves. Right. Because we have these expectations of how we should be operating on the daily day basis. Right. Right. Constantly and especially with women, like when I learned more about hormone cycles as I got older mm. and actually figuring out how our hormones change all the time during our 28 day cycle, Mm-hmm. one day is not like the next, Yeah, you know, whereas for a man, like it is, he literally resets after 24 hours where yeah. we're going through this whole process over 28 days. So it's like, give ourselves some slack mm-hmm. and sure. just get curious. I love that. And that's, a th- that's something really tangible. And I love just like what you said, even about specific things in the moment of going outside and like changing your environment, writing down your feelings, you know, just doing something that even just doing something for me, it's having a dance party in my living room and bouncing at the top of my lungs. So I resonate with you, you know, (laughs) but like I, there are studies that show that shifting your physical stance can actually change your brain like within seconds. Mm -hmm. And I just think that is so freaking powerful. And if we just like got out of our own way and just literally sometimes my husband will be like, okay, we're going to get up and we're going to have a dance party. And I'm like, I don't want to. And he's like, I don't care. You're going to do it. And I feel so much better after 30 seconds. Literally. Kyle does the same thing for me. He will actually force me to go outside. Mm -hmm. So like if I'm sitting there and my shoulders are like up really high and I'm like, I'm so stressed out. He's like, get, okay, let's go. And I'm like, (laughs) no, I don't want to go. And like 10 seconds being outside like, thanks, babe. I feel so much better. Mm -hmm. And you're right. There's so much scientific evidence to back all of this up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I find it really interesting that as a culture, we have started to accept the fact that when we're feeling physically not great, that that affects our mental health. Mm. But we haven't really grasped onto the fact that when our mental health is not that great, that that affects our physical. It manifests our cycles for sure. Yes. And it's really interesting that we're kind of, because I think it's more black and white with physical stuff, we can say, okay, my ankle is broken. Therefore I can't go walk. Therefore I'm sad. So Mm -hmm. that's okay. It's like we rationalize it. Mm -hmm. But if we wake up feeling like shit, then it's, then there's something wrong with us. Mm -hmm. It can't be anything else. We're just inherently flawed. Yeah. So like, give your, give yourself a break. Mm -hmm. It's okay. And literally, I've not met one person in my life who hasn't had times where they don't feel good. Yeah. 
because a you were a human being and we would be crazy if we constantly felt like bubbly and amazing all the time yeah like that's actually a disorder yeah <laughs> literally yeah it's called being manic oh my god all the time okay I want to I want to touch on something really specific because obviously I think there are a lot of ways that anxiety can manifest and I know that a lot of the women listening have um asked to to learn more about kind of how to navigate anxiety that's been brought on from trauma. Yeah. Um so if you could speak to that for a little bit, I think that would be awesome. So here's where it gets a little tricky. When there is a root cause for the anxiety, if there was a traumatic event, that's sometimes when there needs to be somebody brought in. Yeah. And I really don't like giving that answer because it sounds like such a, well, now call someone else Mm -hmm. like, oh, this thing happened. So now you're not capable of it. And that's, that's not what it is. The thing with trauma is that it can rewire our brain and it can rewire our brain in a moment, in Mm -hmm. in an instant. And that to, to untangle those wires that's more than a one person job. Yeah. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you not capable, but it really helps to have someone help you untangle it. The visual that comes to mind right here in this moment, I've actually never used this as an example before, but it's coming up is like a giant bundle of necklaces Mm. that all got tangled together. And it happened like they were all separate and pretty in your jewelry drawer hanging on your wall. And then in one second, they just all became this tiny ball. And you're sitting there looking at it like, what the actual fuck? Like, (laughs) Where do I even start with this? I can't find the end of this chain. Do I unclasp this one to get it out? Mm -hmm. Like, how do I? And then you bring it to somebody and they're like, oh we'll just start right here. And they all of a sudden can like pull it through and it gets it started for you. Yeah. That's what happens with trauma. And so depending on the severity of what happened, what context it is, it's really important to figure out, is this a trauma that I need to walk through holding the hand of someone else? Or is this something that opening up to a friend could even help. Mm -hmm. And really only you can figure that out for yourself. I don't, there are many mental health professionals out there that make very, very black and white statements. Like if you have gone through X, then you have to Y. Right. Yeah. And I don't like to subscribe to that because I, I really think that everybody's different. I think that we can all experience the same event and we all experience it quite differently. Um, based on a multitude of factors. So when it comes to trauma, figuring out what your needs are and not judging yourself for those needs would be where I would start. And if it's something that like a, an assault, whether it be sexual or, a, you know, a mugging or like something that happened to you by someone else, 
go talk to someone. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, I feel like that's what you've said for both of them. It's even if it's a friend, a therapist, yeah. doesn't matter, but voice it and share it with somebody that you trust or in a space that feels safe. Yeah. And if there's no one in your life that you feel that you can have that conversation with, then find a therapist. Mm -hmm. Like that, that is when it is a great idea to just, you know, you can literally Google therapist and then type in what happened to you. Yeah. And whatever it is, you know, I think that even the word trauma gets tossed around um, and judged a lot by other people. And it can be traumatic to go through a divorce as a kid. It can be, it doesn't have to be this, we all go to, you know, especially in today's culture, I know my brain goes to sexual assault right away. Right. Um, I, I think that a lot of us go there and then we get this judgy like self thing of, well, I wasn't raped. So I don't think this was actually a trauma. And that's not true. You know, there's also trauma by proxy, like going through a trauma near someone Mm -hmm. and you actually go through it yourself. Like there's so many different ways that trauma can show up. If an event had an effect on your life that you think about often Mm -hmm. and is starting to manifest into the things we talked about before, into holding you back from doing the things that you would normally do that's when it's time to reach out. Yeah. Do you feel like building a support system is key for longevity within that? Because yes, I know I've seen that within my own life. I mean, I, I don't personally have a trauma um, in my own life. So, but I have a lot of clients who do. Um, and I know firsthand from them that having just a supportive community that they can show up in every day of women who either have been through something similar or maybe not at all, but are just there and are present with them in a safe space has been really, really huge. Um, yeah. Do you feel, is that something that you would also, also tell one of your clients to find? Absolutely. 100%. And the caveat there is just being careful at the beginning who you choose to open up to. Yeah. Because the worst thing is that re-traumatization mm. of sharing your story and having it not be received fully. So just being careful and not to put more worries into anybody's brain because, yeah. you know, we all have enough, but really being discerning is the word that comes to mind of, you know, not everybody gets the privilege of hearing your story, your life totally. and your yeah. I think that's a really important point because it's so interesting that you say that. I, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups, you know, entrepreneurial groups and podcast groups and whatever. And there are some where, you know, there's a very big population of people and people pour their life story into these groups of thousands yeah. and thousands and thousands of people. And I'm, I'm always so blown away, not because I'm not someone to share, because you guys know I'm one, some, I'm someone to share all of the shit you know, like probably more than I should, but that's just how I roll. But I, I do it in spaces that are on my terms and within communities, the more, the more, the more intense things that I don't even talk about on this podcast or on my Instagram, like I share within communities that are very, very private and with people that I implicitly trust. And I think that 
we can get so wrapped up in this social media world where it's like, okay, well, she's pouring her stuff out and talking about her divorce here and how she's impacted and she feels like she's so unfulfilled. But it's like, okay, you're not going to get the kind of feedback and experience that you need within a space like this, right? Like you, you need to talk to somebody or find a space, a smaller space of a more intimate space, a, a, a space within that you feel trust and safe, right? Absolutely. And, and as time goes on, that can change. So yes. to use this wedding panic attack example, right after that happened, I would have, you could not have paid me to share that publicly. Mm. I was so ashamed. I had all of the thoughts and I hope that this is validating to any of you who work with other people, but I had all of the thoughts of who am I to be a fucking therapist mm. when I'm sitting here and had a panic attack on my wedding. Like I can never tell anyone about this. I can never share this with anybody. And had I shared right away, that would have been pretty traumatizing yeah. for me. As time went on and I did my own work around it, then it felt better to share. Totally. And I was happy to share it publicly to be of service. So that can totally shift as time goes on. But if you have not gone through and processed the trauma to the point where you can talk about it without getting shaky, without crying, without having that intense emotional reaction come up, that's a really good indicator of you still need that safe cocoon yeah. to talk in. Once you can talk through it and it actually feels like, would I share this on the stage of Madison Square Garden with anyone mm. listening? And if that answer is yes, cool. You can share it on your Instagram. And I'm not trying to say that like your Instagram is going to reach a gajillion people, but you never know who's listening. Yeah, totally. And and I know I've experienced that too. Like there are some things that you just aren't ready to talk about yet and that your inner circle knows, but you know, I don't share on Instagram or on my podcast and I, maybe I never will. And that's also okay. Um, Absolutely. So I love that. And I think to anyone who's listening, who struggles with anxiety in any capacity, I just hope that the tools that we've shared here today um, give you some some light for your life yes. and that you know that you're not alone. You are so not alone. So and not alone. So not alone. <laughs> and that when it comes down to it, like really, really, truly, like I know you may not know either of us personally, but if you do need to reach out about anything, Rachel and I are both here. All of her information is in the show notes. So reach out to her directly, reach out to me directly. We are also like brewing up some really really incredible things for you guys in the future, um, in the very near future. Um, so like, I will be announcing really that. <laughs> I'll be announcing that post, um, post this episode. Um, so you guys can hear more about that. So stay tuned. Um, but really, really, you guys like find a space and whether it's with us or with someone else in your life, um, or with an, another expert, you know, find a space that you feel comfortable where you trust the people and it feels like a big ass warm hug, like a giant dance party, warm hug where you just feel so safe and protected. And you know that you're going to be doing the work, but it's going to be work that is going to get you to feeling exactly where you want to be and be able to thrive with anxiety instead of allowing it to control your life. 100%. And listen, I'm walking, living, breathing proof that 
you can have an anxiety disorder and also help people with anxiety Mm. and also live a life that you love. And it doesn't mean that I don't feel it. It doesn't mean that there aren't days where I wake up and I'm like, what the flying fuck? Why? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It happens, but there are ways to manage it, to have it, like you said, so beautifully, It, it doesn't have to run your life. You can thrive with it and use it as a tool. You guys, anxiety is, is it's a gift of intuition that people who have never felt it don't know what it feels like to know that something is off. Mm. So you can use it to be a gift. It does not have to impair or keep you back or stop you anymore. I love that. I love that so much. Thank you so much for sharing your heart and for just pouring your wisdom Um, this is such an important topic and one I'm so glad we're talking about today. So thank you from the bottom of my freaking heart. I adore you. Well, right back at you. And let me tell you, if you would have told me on my honeymoon that at some point I'd be sharing that story on a podcast, (laughs) I would have been like, okay, go fuck yourself. Yeah. And here we are. (laughs) And here we are. So you guys, there is, it's a, it's a journey. And um, there are people who want to walk it with you. Mm, I love that so much. You are so, so, so loved. I hope you know that. Yeah. And there you have it. Thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing your heart and your vulnerable self with all of us. And for all of the things we talked about in today's episode, you can head over to the show notes um, by swiping on your podcast app or heading over to www.amandacatherineloy.com. That's Catherine with a K, like karma, uh, forward slash podcast, forward slash 37. And until next time, you guys, keep sharing this episode. Let's pay this message forward and really, 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 really share about this. Um, Anxiety needs to be talked about. And the best thing you can do is by shouting this out on Instagram, sharing with a friend, um, or again, writing a review on the iTunes. And Rachel is in our Facebook community and happy to answer any other questions you guys have. Uh, We both love talking about this as openly as possible, as you can tell. So hop into our Facebook group, If you have not already done so, uh, the link to do that is in the show notes and um, we will see you in there and chat more. But until next week, I'll see you guys on the flip side. Bye-bye.